You're listening to the Dad Bod Golf Pod with Kyle Rush and Ben Taylor. What's up, everybody? We're back again. The Dad Bod Golf Pod with <laughs> Kyle and Ben, episode two. My wife thinks that we're like playing golf right now. She doesn't understand that. She goes, so y'all are just talking about golf? And I said, yeah. Yeah. And she goes, we're chopping it up. Y'all are in kind of your element, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> we looked up and we were, we'd gone almost an hour last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the funny part is uh, we were wondering how much content we'd use and what we would, what we'd bring about. And uh, we had our talking points that we were going to discuss. And then next thing you know, uh, I look at Kyle and I say, Hey man, we're at an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to so, wrap this thing up. Yeah, exactly. So um, you brought a guest. Yes. Our first guest episode two. One of my favorite dudes on the planet, Mr. Jimmy Green. What's up, pro? Good morning. <laughs> pro, that's right. Good morning. Uh, legitimately and figuratively, and um, what better way to bring you in with uh, um, U.S. Open looming and you having a little experience with it and us I, even talking, you know, not on mic. You've already educated me more than I ever knew about qualifying for a U.S. Open. I played in a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be, don't be, don't be modest. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many was it? I played in five. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I couldn't remember if it was four or five. And um, so, did you? I know, I know you, you, you were on tour, but walk us through that qualifying process because it's everybody assumes. Now, granted, I heard you when I came in. You know, it is the most open field to be able to get into. Right. But everybody assumes that it's open for everybody, and it's not. No, I mean, that's correct. You know, I'm a. I'm a nine. I, I'm I'm not. I don't even think I'm eligible to 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 be a part of it. I think you got to be lower than that. Correct. So. You have to have a handicap index. Uh, and I'm assuming it's around three point or two so. or something like that. I think so. So, um, so it is it is open to everybody that has that handicap index. But right. I mean, what you're telling me just from finding out where tournaments are to to uh, it, the it, step ladder that you have to really go up. It really is a scientific situation you have because. You've got different players. You got local people trying to play, like mm-hmm. yourself, or and then you got guys on the PJ tour. Then you got the guys on the tour. They don't know if they're going to get in, so they don't know if they're you know, they're exempt through local qualifying to go to sectional qualifying. And then at that point, you got to figure out where the tour event is, and then versus you want to go the Monday after the tour event, which is mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio, with there's the more spots. Mm-hmm. So obviously. You want to go with it, regardless who's in the event. You want to go with the more spots are because you have the better chance. Because realistically, in, in in my experience, the same number is going to get in. It's just you want to have a bigger bigger chance, more opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Um, there are a ton of pros in that Ohio. Both of those Ohio that's what it events. Is. Yeah. You know, fortunately, I played in five U.S. Opens. Unfortunately, I was never exempt to get into a U.S. Open, so I had to do it all through the qualifier. Wow. Um, so the years I made the cut at a U.S. Open, the following year I was exempt through sectionals or through the local two sectionals, which I kind of took a, um, a breather off. But you, you're still trying to maintain and get your PGA Tour card in the top 125. To get in the U.S. Open is probably top 30 in the world rankings now to get exempt in. And um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. I so, mean, it, it's a different world. I mean, we were talking about you got um, Ricky Fowler trying to qualify, Duffner trying to qualify, Ches Reevy, who's had a little success on the tour, trying to qualify. I mean, it's loaded with pros that are out there. Brendan Grace qualified earlier in the week. So uh, guys that I thought 
you see when you watch golf every day. Right. Uh, you would you think know, they would be in anyway. You'd think they'd be in, and right. then you look up and you right. see these qualifiers in this field that's that's in Columbus or in Hilton Head or down in Florida, and you're going, wait a minute, that guy's not in the in the open? Right. Yeah, a lot of guys played the weekend, played at the Memorial, mm-hmm. and then turned around and had to go on that Monday and qualify. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely – well, and the thing is, you don't remember is they got into up to Columbus to play the Memorial, but that Monday or Tuesday morning they went over and played Brookside right. to yes. practice to do. So it, it is a long week because you're playing two different golf courses, even though it's two separate events. You're you're trying to cram it all in in one week. Right. Didn't you say you played Brookside as well? I one have. Week? I qualified there one year. Wow. Well, and that you'd said something earlier. Um, it kind of stuck out in my mind. You'd rather play a place like Brookside to qualify that's taken 16 to 20 pros. Right. You'd rather play a field of Tiger Woods-esque players. That's right. Then you had, say, Hilton Head that took three. That's right. And then you're playing against a field of 100 where only three of you are going to be making it. I always always wanted to – my theory was to go where all the spots are, mm-hmm. regardless right. who I was playing against. Um, because all you got to do is get hot and, you know, and it's 36-hole qualifier. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's still yeah. that. Yeah, um, I remember one year I was playing in uh, Maryland. Um, Avenel was was the tour event right there, and then the uh, the Monday of the event, we played uh, at Rockville, Maryland, and I remember it, uh, playing the easy course first and had a few under par, and I got it back to even, lost a few shots, and I'm coming in on my 18th hole, and I said, "Look, we're not going to wear ourselves out. If I don't make birdie here, we'll just go back to the hotel and." get ready for this week's event well i hit it in there about a foot and i look up my wife's right there so she's already made it all the way from the hotel to come watch me play the final 18 so i had a and then actually got in a playoff with hal sutton beat hal sutton in the playoff to get into the open so it was you know it's it's crazy i mean it's um because you don't know who you'll play with like you said there there's guys out there that you like man why would that guy just won the PJ not long ago, Jason Duff. Yeah, Duffer. Fan, fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Fantastic right. player. Won the won a major not long ago, and here he is having to fight his way to get in the U.S. Open. So explain, uh, to kind of go back to the beginning. So spl- explain. So th- so Monday is called like it's called the longest golf day of the year or something like that. It's the thirty six hole qualifier. Right. What there there's things before that, right? There there's qualifiers before that to get there, correct? <laughs> For some, for some, some. Of the player, yeah. yeah, guys on tour who are exempt from the previous year, like Jason, I would assume being a major champion, he's probably exempt through local forever. Okay. Yeah, he. I'm, okay. I'm sure he didn't play. So in you, you take a guy that was like myself who's fighting to stay on tour and on and off and on and off. Some years I had to go to local. So you know, a month prior, you would have had to go to Montgomery, Alabama, or Atlanta, Georgia, or anywhere that you felt comfortable. And there's only like two spots. Wow, two or three spots. I mean, it's. Um, it, it, it's so it really is a grind. It is. I it mean, is. it's it's a. What's your mindset too when you're going through that? I who, mean, ca- it, who cares? Either, two things going to happen. I'm either going to get in or I'm not going to get in. Right. So what? Is so, it just green light the whole time, like firing well, at pins? Well, you want to you want to get off to a good. You know, first few holes you don't want to make anything stupid mistakes to to knock yourself out. But at some point you're like, man, I'm only one or two under. I think it's going to take 66. I better get a little more aggressive and, and right. coming down the stretch you can. That's when it gets tough. That's when everybody's got green light mindset, and we're we're going for it. We're firing at pins. You know you got to go. You know you got to go low in those. Well, when you got, and I I've forgotten his name because I told you earlier that uh, there was a no name that it has qualified up at Columbus, and I mean he went out there and he posted eight under in front of everybody. So right. 
you know, what's your mindset then when you see that, when you hear that? Because I, I mean, there's no leaderboards. I mean, that's just going to that's going to be word filtering back. And I mean, does that change your mindset play? Like after the first three holes, and you hear a guy's already eight under, and you're you're well, one over at the yeah. I don't uh, think you'd have heard it by then. I don't. They don't have any leaderboards or anything like that. Yeah. So you really wouldn't know. My theory was if I was going like the local qualifier, and I was going, to, I think I went to Dallas, Texas one year, and you look at the, they'll give you a copy of the T sheet, and I start counting all the people from. Texas, mm-hmm. Denton, or right there around Dallas, right. take them out. And then I start going, all right, well, I've, I've got 24 guys for three spots. Well, I think I can beat, you know, 20 of them or 21 of them. Sure. And so it just depends. I was always a good qualifier because, I, like I said, my mindset was two things going to happen. I'm either going to play good, get in, or I'm not going to play good. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go play the next event that week. Mm-hmm. So, Have you ever played Tory? I have. You have? Uh-huh. What did you think about that course? Well, the, I'd never played the U.S. Open right, there. Right, right. I played the regular tournament there. And there's two courses. they got a north and a south course. Mm-hmm. The south course is all you want. It's probably the best public golf course in, in the uh, country. I don't think people realize that Torrey is a it's, public golf course. No. And I, and I think when, well, when, you have to, when you have to stroke the check to, to play there, that, well, that's what makes them think that. I think if you live inside, if you the, live county, there. If you live inside the county, it's like 50 bucks. Really? If you live outside the county, it's like $400. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it gets, a little, gets yeah. a little up there. Yeah. Boost that tourism uh, money for sure. That's right. Um, they'll play on the, on the U.S. Open. Will they do, like they, they do regular events? Will they play both the North and the South? No, on the, they'll the, play all yeah, on one just, course? Just one course. Yeah. Okay. And they'll uh, stretch it out. To, yes, I think somewhere 76, 7,800 yards, something like that, and they'll have the rough just gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have, um, speaking of U.S. Opens, the people always they always associate U.S. Open with high roughs and slick greens. I mean, is it is it hold true? I mean, because I mean, you see, yeah. fat, tour tour greens are fast anyway. Compared to what we're used to playing, in. Uh, they're okay. In, I mean, yeah, they're going to run anywhere from eleven or twelve. But you know, uh, U.S. Open depending on the weather conditions. Um, you know, they're the USGA is a little. Bit, USGA sets a golf course up different than a PGA Tour does. Mm-hmm. And um, and you, normally in the U.S. Open, you're going to have high rough. If you hit in the rough, it's going to be a pitch out. You know, and unless you get lucky and and. and Hit it so far right or so far left, you get over where the crowd is trampled, trampled, and, trampled the grass down. Yeah, um, yeah, they they make it a tough. I mean, and if you and I've always been a good a believer is if you can just drive the golf ball good, um, and then get it on the green, you can have a good chance to do well that week. Get it up there in two putt. I played um, I played in Oakmont, oh not Oakmont, uh, Olympic Club in San Francisco in '98, and I was leaving the hotel, and this gentleman asked me, "Hey, can I get a, catch a ride?" Sure. So, and I said, are you a family member or your dad of a player? He goes, no, uh, it was Cook, the teacher. And actually, Jason Duffner's worked with him before. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, who are you working with? He goes, Payne Stewart. I said, okay. He said, yeah, we came out here a couple months ago. We've been working to get ready. I said, all right. And I'm, you know, here I am, 30 years old. I'm trying to figure out what he's working with Payne Stewart on. I said, <laughs> I'm like, hey, by the way, what were y'all working on for to get ready this week? He goes, three woods. I said, Ann? He goes, no, three woods. We've been hitting three woods for three months. I went, what kind of stupid answer is that? <laughs> I go out and play my first round. It three woods. Made been, sense. It, it, it made sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, Payne right there uh, didn't birdie the last hole. Uh, Lee Jansen won, so he, he played well that week. That's that's so cool. It yeah. is. I mean, it's cool that you had that brush with that, too, to, sure. to be able to, to see it. Um, 
getting back to your, your qualifying phase, we uh, when we weren't um, on here just a little bit ago, we were talking. Uh, you have any moments that were, like you said, you had to drain it. You had to drain a long one to you thought to qualify. It turns out, or to make a playoff, turns out it actually put you in as qualifying. Uh, Brookside actually, I made about a forty footer in the last hole to get in on the number without having to go in a playoff and. Um, and I, you know, I've birdied a couple holes coming in to get in. And, um, so, I mean, I've always been a good qualifier when it comes to stuff like that. And, but I've also seen some train wrecks coming in, <laughs> you know, been a part, not been a part of, but I've witnessed in my group and it's, it's not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, th- those stories are just great. I guess, um, my question is going back to the golf course part of it. We kind of saw it with Chambers Bay. Does the USGA sort of do they kind of take it too far sometimes? Do you think they try too hard, or they 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 can really damage a, a golf course where it may take you know time to repair it, so, so to speak? Um, do they push the envelope? Absolutely. Yeah. Do they make it um, unfair? I would say no, but it, it's it's not far from it. Right. Um, I've seen some conditions like the, I cannot even believe we're playing this. Right. You know? um, when you say that, what does that mean? When you say that, like the conditions are get to a point where it's almost unfair. What help us understand what um, that means? I mean, they'll they'll make a golf course so like good example. We played Shinnecock Hills in '04. Hmm. You could not keep the ball on the green on the par three, and I believe it was. Um, was it 17, the par three, or eight? I'm not sure which one side. You had you had a probably a six-foot-by-six-foot six square that you had to land the ball on, short right of the green, short right of the green, so when wow. it hit, it would actually creep up on the green and stay. But you're trying to do that from 200 yards out. <laughs> and a lot of wind, I would assume. Right, but, I mean, <laughs> and the, the thing is, your mindset is, right, we can't hit the shot. Yeah. It's and not. It, it's, I mean, sometimes it's not. It doesn't even seem like golf. It's it's sort of like just survive. You're just trying to survive. Well, I mean, if you go back and and, and I'm just using Shinnecock Hill. It's a tough golf course, regardless that the greens are rolling a six, more or less a fourteen. Right. You get on ten and you hit it down there, and it's an elevated green, and you and you hit it up there, and you're like, man, I just hit a good shot. Your caddy goes, good shot, and you start walking, and you look up, and the ball's coming down the hill at you. So you know you hit a you know you're hitting a 140 yard shot into it. And your third shot is now 110 yards because you only walked 30 <laughs> yards because it came right back to you. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've always been known to push that envelope. Um, but, you know, uh, I would say besides Augusta, it's probably the greatest championship out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. The biggest test, for sure. Uh, what's your favorite course that you played the Open at? You played five times, right? I, play, I like Pebble Beach. I've always I played well there. Um, I love the um, – the water out there. I love the the community and um, and you know if you go out there now and if we all went out there and played today, it takes six hours to get around the course. But man, what a great place to be for a oh, six yeah. hour round. Yeah. And um, but it, I mean to, to get in it. Look, I I was eating lunch with a player one day and he was complaining about his tea time. Uh, I can't believe Tiger gets a a nine o'clock and eleven forty tea time. I just got a. A one o'clock at a four ten tea time, and I'm thinking, man, I would putt putt in this parking lot if they let me put the U.S. Open. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at midnight. So, you know, um, 
you know, I got into British Open one year because the player in front of me didn't want to go. And, and Are you kidding me? No, that's right. He was the first alternate, and I was second alternate. And he didn't want to go, so I got in. Oh, so he was fir- first alternate and didn't yeah, want to go. Right. It's not like he was. Yeah, he, t- he said, I just don't want to go. So I went out. Look, I, last minute, flew over there on a Monday night, got there on Wednesday morning, got to 10 t at 10 minutes before they're going to close the practice rounds off. And I remember M. Baker Finch came up and asked me about a shot. I said, I don't know. I've never played the course. He goes, what do you mean? So I told him the story. And he says, good on you. He goes, I- I'll mention it during the broadcast. I said, look, to play a major championship, I will play at midnight if that's the only time they'll let me play. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I mean, here, you know, you got all the majors, and but to play anywhere on the tour, I would play at midnight if that's the only tee time I can get. You see that in today's game. I mean, the people that step it. I mean, Tiger made that a thing where he was like, I just wanted the majors. Then Brooks Kepka, he's he says his focus is a whole lot different major championship weeks than right. uh, regular weeks. And and they've and somebody like Brooks has even said he he deems it more rewarding to play in those than say he does at the Farmers Open. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and and he said it's got nothing to do with the money. It's just. You know, when they've interviewed him and talked to him about it, he's like, it's a major. Like, that's just, right. that's, you want to play in the majors. Everybody's watching. Um, everybody remembers you for that. Everybody remembers who won the Shell Houston Open. But you start winning British Opens or or you even, like you just said, even you get in as, a, as an alternate, get to tee it up. You know, you're remembering that probably a whole lot better than, you know, right. telling that story of tee it off at four in the afternoon before they shut it down. And, you know, somebody saying, hey, what are you doing here? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to hit it up there and go find it and see, see if I did the right thing. One of the great major stories, and it, and people don't realize this, what Phil Mickelson did this, this year was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. The oldest winner of a major championship. Fantastic. But do y'all remember when Tom Watson bogeyed the last hole at oh 60 gosh. years old to lose the British, to lose in a playoff? Playoffs. Yes. And he hit the perfect shot in 18. And it rolled. And it rolled up. right through the fringe, and he just – didn't get it up and down from there. But if it stops, he two putts. He's 60 years so, old and wins winning a major. Unbe- I, I was pulling for I still think that may be the greatest major story. I guess Stewart Sink. I mean, the fact that I remember That's that, right. the two of them, and even Sink said after, I mean, he said, I'm going to take the major. But he said, got to tell you, you do get caught up in the moment watching a 60-year-old guy that you're playing with golf his ball around. And, and Sink said, he said, it got in my head. Yeah. He said, I'm sitting there thinking – I'm gonna be the guy that if I win, I'm gonna. I'm I knocked be, off Tom. I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna be like, you know, not the goat in a good way, greatest of all time. I'm gonna be no. the goat of the tournament. I because, still haven't forgiven him. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> I I was saying, and I know that Watson would not have wanted to win this way, but I was sitting there thinking, why didn't Sink just do something stupid yeah. just uh, to get him knock himself well. out of the tournament? But you can't. It's a ma- right. It's a major. You want to win it. You're there to win it, so that's what you want to do. Uh, but you're right. Everybody was talking about Phil a couple of weeks ago, and that's the first thing I said. As I said, well, people forget about Tom. Like, that's it right. was there. It was his. Right. One of the one of the last things I want to talk about. Uh, we kind of talked about this yesterday, but the USGA has makes no bones about their pairings, and they try to do like cool matchups, uh, rivalries, uh, things like that. So uh, we were kind of talking about Bryson and Brooks Kepka and their little beef they got going on, but. Did you ever see anything cool like that? Did they did they ever try to pair guys that didn't like each other or uh, no, things I mean, like that? I still think the PJ Tour does that all, a little bit too. They, yeah. Well, they'll call it a premier pairing, and they try to do it for TV, and that's what USJ is doing. They want the viewer watching, so they'll put the 
the good. I mean, the something going on, they'll put them together. Because um, like they have some standards. Because we were talking about that, it makes perfect sense for the two of them to be paired because they're both open winners. That's right. So you can always claim, well, we had to put the and then they'll stick <laughs> an amateur with. Can you imagine how scared the amateurs going to be I, played in that group? I don't think I don't know if they'll pair them together. You don't think so? Mm-mm. I do. I think they'll stay away from that. Be great television. <laughs> it could. For it two could days, be, it'd be it could great be television. great. All right, but, all right. So if they get in a fight on the third hole. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna take I mean, it, it could be oh, a great television, or it could be. Absolutely. We're going to be jacked. Yes. We're going to have material. <laughs> it would be. It'd be either great television or awful television because they wouldn't say a word to one. I another. think it. I think it could be awful television. Yeah. I think they will literally just stew on it the whole round and and be just as far apart as compo- as, as can be and just have nothing to do with each other. So I think it possibly could be unless somebody does something and they catch the other one rolling his eyes or saying something under his breath, I think it probably could be pretty boring. Is it different, Jimmy, the majors and as regu- or than regular tournaments, like the chatty side of it? Because you see, I mean, you hear stories, the story that it went viral, you know, when uh, Phil and Tiger got paired together and the Masters, and they'd never said a word to one another until they got to 12. And the only thing they said was, what club did you hit there? All right. Well, they got, as they were got, as they were walking off the tee. Yeah, they got they've got some history there though. I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, that time they yeah, did. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're buddies now, but at yeah. that time they hated one another. But did is it? Well, because you hear people chat. We talked about Spieth chatting with Bryson. Yeah, because he was telling him that was called on the hot hot mic where he said, "Hey, you know, we wanted to say, hey, you should go for it here." When he uh, he basically hit a four hundred yard drive, cut the corner, right. and. Um, ended up as the crow flies being 400 and something yards. Uh, and so, but Spee said, I didn't, he told, I, I just didn't say anything. It's not my place. So I just, I waited. Well, we to, wanted you to go for uh, it. Yeah. We wanted you to go for it. We were, we were staring at you, hoping you'd go for it, but they didn't say anything. So right. I just didn't know if there was any chit chat. Nah, it, like it, it just depends on the players. I mean, it really does. I mean, you, you've got personality conflicts out there. I mean, there's always been personality conflicts. And, but if you get paired with a buddy of yours, man, you're going to chat it up the whole way around. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like a normal, sort yeah. of semi-normal I mean, you, round. You got certain players that you could be friends with them, but they get on the golf course, they're not saying anything. Not talking. No, that was that was made a big deal a couple of years ago. Uh, Spieth and Thomas got paired together, and nobody really caught them saying anything to one another until they got to like the nine, or yeah, maybe like, even made yeah. the turn. And I, and I think at that point they'd kind of settled in, and so that's when they loosened up a little bit. But right. they didn't say a word to one. And they, here, these guys go on vacation together. Who would be and your fa- right. who was your favorite pairing when you were playing? Oh, who goodness. was your favorite guy to play with? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've I mean, I had some guys I've maybe played college golf with. Yeah, the um, Perry Moss or and then Kenny Perry's a, always enjoyed playing with Kenny, Kenny. and uh, Lauren Roberts. And, you know, those are the guys that, that I was, when I was coming on the tour, they were at the height of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always enjoyed playing like Bernhard Langer. I played a lot of practice rounds with Bernhard or VJ Singh. I always enjoyed playing practice rounds with them because you can learn a lot from them. Right. Uh, but you get in a tournament with Bernhardt or he ain't saying nothing to you. You might have just had dinner the night before. <laughs> you know, I played, uh, like I said, I played with Payne Stewart, um, unfortunately, a few months before he mm-hmm. uh, passed away. And, you know, fantastic guy to play with. Didn't say nothing to me. He was like 14. And then <laughs> we we got done. And I don't I played well that day and, and beat him. I didn't know if he didn't care for that or not or whatever it is. And. But, it, you know, he shook my hand on 18 and said, hey, well, you got a great game. Uh, good luck this year. And, you know, so he had some something nice to say, but he was focused the whole way around. Yeah. But then you get with John Daly and you're like, 
John's like, hey, man, where are we going next week? You want to go eat dinner? Oh, <laughs> hold on. Let me finish this putt real quick. You know? Yeah. Type, you know. That's what we talked about yesterday. We talked about if we're talking about the uh, guy on Twitter who who went, he tweeted Max Homa for 25 days and was like, this the day one of asking Max Homa to play golf with, uh, with me. And it took him 25 days, and Max finally agreed. He's like, all right, let's just do it so you'll stop kind of thing. And we said, who are we like to play with? And John Daly was one of the ones. That was, that we that was mine. I said, yeah. John, I said, <laughs> I said, just because I know he's not going to be a stick in the mud. I know he's going to go out there and have a good time and uh, and ask you about stuff. I mean, he'd, he'd even probably ask about Auburn and about – I mean, because him being an SEC guy, right. he'd – He'd probably really get into it. So, uh, but if you're playing in a thing like that, I mean, I mean, you've seen on television the match that's taken, you know, that they've done. Phil gets a little chatty when there's not money on the line. So, right. um, <laughs> you just never know what you're going. Like you said, you get inside the ropes, tournament wise. Somebody like a Payne Stewart that was known as a, you know, a super nice guy and lovable guy, and he can say a word to you. Right, right. <laughs> but you know, like I said, you got personality conflicts, and you don't know what. Man, you don't know what happened three years ago while they were playing the mini tour or something happened. You know, right. it, and it's. You know, you go out there and do your business, and um, you try to make as many birdies as you can. There you go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of birdies, um, we told you, uh, I want you to plug, Canada's still not playing. Right. So we got a tournament going to be coming here to the Auburn-Opelika area. The PJ Tour contacted us, um, I don't know, about four or five months ago, because we, we, we had the uh, local IQ series last year for South American Tour. Mm-hmm. And they called up and said, hey, we've, we've uh, run into a situation where Canada is not going to allow the McKenzie Tour to operate with their guidelines and stuff going on with COVID guidelines. Are you interested in having a event? I said, absolutely. Um, so we, we just got off a phone call this morning with a tour agronomy phone call. And uh, so they'll be back um, later this month, June 28th. They'll start. And um, it's called the Forum Tour. They went out. They couldn't call it the McKenzie Tour. They went out and got a sponsor, F-O-R-M-E, Forum Tour. Uh, so they'll have all those guys down, 156 players. They'll cut the low 60s highs uh, after two days. It's a four-day event. Um, and, but I'm just telling people, if they want to come see the next JTs or the Jordan Spees, or they need to come. These guys are unbelievable. Um, I'm... I played the mini tours 30 years ago or 25 years ago, and these guys right here would would run circles around everybody then. I mean, they, they hit it so far now, and they're so good. Um, so if they really want to come out and get a touch of what the PJ Tour is going to be, they need to come see it. Uh, and if anybody wants to volunteer, just call the club at 334-821-8381, Auburn University Club. Or DM us on Twitter. Yeah, we can, yeah, we yeah, can we'll set put you, you up, We'll too. put you in the right direction. If yeah, you, that's right. You guys it, follow us on, we'll, we'll, on Twitter. It's a, I'm telling you, if you've never been a part of something like that, this way you can really get up close and, to these guys, and um, it's fantastic. It really is. Fun to watch. How, how do they, do they when they come in? Does that does that tour? Well, the form tour. I was fixing to call it McKenzie tour. The form tour. Are they? Will they set up the course or will they? PGA tour set it up. PGA tour set mm-hmm. it up. And right. so, how long will it? Because how long does the AU club usually play? We play about seventy three hundred yards from the back tees. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's where they'll be playing. For I mean, they, we, we got off a phone call this morning and they're like, uh, "Have you cut the rough yet?" Because it's you know the the grass is growing now, especially after the last few days of the rains. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll they'll let us cut the rough, but the, the week prior we'll stop cutting rough, so it, it, we won't uh, let it grow a little bit. Um, they sell they tell us what the green speed, when the water, when not the water. Um, they're they're very hands on. The PJ Tour is very hands on, and they do an excellent job. When after it's over, when will you tear all that down? 
<laughs> and slow the greens back down and cut the rough because that's when I'll go back out. That's right. Immediately. <laughs> for you. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Let me get that Monday morning tea time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's always a fun deal, man. I, 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 you can't a lot of a lot of courses because they don't want you to do it. But I love to, you know, when when you have that buddy that says, man, I really think if I worked hard, like I could qualify and I could play somewhere. And I'm like, OK, well, then let's step on back. That's and, right. Let's go. Get uh, you some, go get you some of the back tees. Yeah. Let's go back to somewhere between, you know, seven and seventy five hundred yards. And um, and then, and you don't get to roll it in the fairway either. I don't know if you if you recognize that they don't get to do that on no, tour. Right. And uh, and you're going to put everything. All those, oh, yeah. all those five footers that yeah. you've been you've been picking up when we go to the next hole. You don't get to do that. Yeah, anymore. You got to put it in the hole. Ball and hole. <laughs> About the third hole reality sets in. Oh, it, yeah. After yeah. after the third double in a row, they yeah. all of a sudden they're like, I'm, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Jimmy, thanks so much for coming. No, uh, had a blast. Uh, this episode two uh, should be out pretty soon. Uh, yep. Check us out on Twitter. F- follow us on Instagram. We're going to uh, tw- uh, TikTok. We're going to start putting out a lot more content. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Dad bod, golf pod. Always stroking. Always stroking. You've been listening to the Dad Bod Golf Pod, always stroking. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.